Let me actually just quickly load up a fact sheet about Final Fantasy VIII. The Wikipedia page? Yeah, that's what I've got. <laughs> that's what I meant, yeah. Who directed it? <laughs> fact sheet! <laughs> just wiki that shit. <laughs> yeah, the, the fact sheet of the world. I don't think that's better than Free Encyclopedia. I don't know. I'm not a branding man. Welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 27. I'm your host, Matthew Marco. With me is regular host, Jackson Tyler. Hello. And erstwhile third chair, Destiny Sertivant. How do you do? How do you do? Well. Okay. And we're here... <laughs> Engaging conversations. <laughs> and we're here... here on Abnormal Mapping. For the RPG Explorers Club, we're here to talk about the eighth Final Fantasy game. This is the eighth time we've done this. <laughs> here we are uh talking about final fantasy 8 but before that how's everybody doing destiny we haven't seen you on in like how many months so Alive. many months since since december uh yeah oh really okay well i've been i've been well uh i've uh that's well. not true that's not sorry the utility Rona cast i forgot about that one okay what month was that January. January. Okay, so... No, fe- early February. We run a good ship. We run a tight ship. Good schedule. <laughs> Either way, I'm doing fine. I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Shuffle. I've been reading a lot of um, decent literature. That's not and... video games. This is a video uh, game podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. I've only been reading about video games. What have you read? <laughs> Tell us what's hot in video game reading today. Um. <laughs> oh, uh... Offworld, the Off-world's Boing Boing site. Offworld's a pretty good website. And um, I think Merritt Copus just released a book. She contributed to a book that a lot of people contributed to. Oh, She edited okay. it. What's it called? She, uh, video Games for Humans. Yes, Video Game for Humans. And um, that's that's it for me, reading-wise. Okay. Jackson, what are you reading about video games? <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> that's, a, that's a movie? That's a transmedia franchise, Jackson. Uh, are you reading? Are you it. actually reading Star Wars books? God, no. Then no, fuck no. off with your reading. <laughs> no, I, I tried to buy that writing book that you two um, are so into, and I was like, I'm going to read this. I'm going to get back on my writing kick. It's going to be amazing. It's not available. It's region locked. Those words cannot be read outside of the United States borders. You could buy a physical copy. I could, but I'm too annoyed. I understand that. <laughs> I'm going to pirate this book. I'm not <laughs> going to do that. The, the fact that, like, that's a thought a human being can have. Like, oh, I need to get this book to Pirate Bay. Sound... It, what? What is this world? I don't want to say that I've done this in the past, but... 
I might have done this in the past. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a really dangerous road to go down. I try to buy books because back when I was like, I could just download all these books. You get to the point where you realize you have more books than you could read in five lifetimes and they'd fit on a thumb drive and it makes you feel ill inside. It's like Steam games, but a thousand times worse. It's way worse because books are slower and require more time. That's I actually feel that not way true about my physical books. But uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that they take up so little space and represent such a commitment, I think, is the thing that actually makes me anxious about having a lot of books. So I don't do that I, anymore. I feel this way about every reminder of my smallness and the infinite, the vastness of the universe. Well, the solution obviously is to just become immortal. Mm, Sephiroth had it right. Sephiroth did have it right. I mean, if, like, maybe not the Oedipal stuff. Like, I'm not really into that, but everything else. If I've learned anything from uh, all the genre fiction that I have read and watched in my time, it is that immortality is always good. Yeah. <laughs> I I agree. I saw The Fountain. It in no way leads to heartbreak and sadness at all. Uh, Isolation. I would argue that those reads are the necessary reads of people trying to come to grips with yep. mortality. Immortal people would probably not think that. I agree. Okay. That's why we just have to ascend to godhood and or stop the universe. <laughs> One of those. One day you're going to be the villain in a JRPG and we're going to have to stop you. It's going to be tragic. The worst part is, I find that the older <laughs> I get, the more I actually identify with the weird cosmic motivations of JRPG villains. <laughs> this is upsetting <laughs> to say the least when when confronted with the idea that like oh we're all doomed and the universe is one day gonna have like this heat death the solutions are either ascend to godhood or destroy everything so no one else has to live this tragedy or accept it and move on to the next plane man what if you just destroy all of creation <laughs> but... and then nobody has to live and then nobody has to suffer you're doing a mercy to the world you're a monster! <laughs> uh, may I uh, introduce you to the philosophers Trey Parker and Matt Stone, who tell you that the truth on existentialism is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> what is the middle of existentialism, Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> this exact noise is the middle of existentialism. Eh. Great. Yeah. Apathy is not a solution. That's no, no way to construct a plot, that's no way to motivate your villain. And that's no way to have a video game podcast. But it is the motive, the philosophy of Trey Parker and Matt Stone. That's fine. We've gone very far afield <laughs> if we're talking about Trey Parker and Matt Stone. <laughs> this bit has come to an end. That's much all right. like all life on Earth. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> it's only going to take a couple hundred million years. And I'm okay with that. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> oh, you guys. I'm going to read you some good books later. What if we just stopped the sun? <laughs> It's not going to stop. If we contain it in some sort of field and feed off of its power <laughs> as it expands. You could try, but I mean... You, that'll probably happen. Uh, sure. I'm just humoring, I guess. If we are still alive, like, however many billion years it is before the sun's in danger, we'll probably have technology like that, right? I am working on it right now. It'll only take <laughs> me, like, three million years. <laughs> Fund my Kickstarter. No, it's Stop going on. on. It's going to take continued effort, not a single investment round. You can't just throw in ten bucks and walk away and think, "Did my bit? Stop the sun." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about we uh, 
get to the actual podcast now. Nope. So today's uh, RPG Explorers Club entry is Final Fantasy VIII role-playing game from the developers and publishers Squaresoft, now known as Square Enix. There you go. This is what the wiki says. The wiki tells me everything. I don't need you to just read the wiki. I want you to be avuncular and profound. Why don't you be avuncular? I am. Okay. Good job. Thanks. Um, it's the first game that was created with like very little input from shit. I've forgotten his name, Sakaguchi. Yes, yeah, Hironobu uh, Sakaguchi. Hironobu, yeah, I remembered. I'm on it. I'm on the ball. I'm the best introduction put man in this segment possible, uh, focusing on the story of Squall. You're not supposed Leonhardt. to summarize. I was setting up. No, you don't. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I handed this to Jackson 30 seconds ago Matt you're supposed to yes and him I'm not gonna yes and him I'm the belligerent tyrant host I'm the villain obviously I want to stop the universe you all have to defeat me sooner or later here is a, a bridge summary of what happened in the last two minutes Jackson do the thing okay you're doing it wrong yeah yeah what just just hand it off what go on what's the plot of Final Fantasy 8 so f- we only played the first half it is uh, long enough that we've had to split it up, and coordinating our efforts has been difficult. So, uh, Matt chose the stopping point. What's what? Well, I've forgotten everything that's happened in Final Fantasy VIII so far. It's been so long. Okay, here's the rundown for everybody because we kind of don't want to do what we did for Final Fantasy VII and run through every plot point as we talk. So, this is your lore dump and your plot dump and your character dump. Just a don't big dump. Don't forget to wipe. <laughs> <laughs> Glad that we both went for it. <laughs> I was about to go for it and you both beat me to it. So, so Final Fantasy VIII is about a paramilitary academy called Garden, where you take the role of Squall Leonhardt, a young man who starts out, it's like a school days narrative, he's got this rival named Seifer, you've both got a gun sword thing, and uh, it starts with your first, like your graduation assignment where you team up with uh, various party members, like Seifer, who is just basically your anti-self, uh, Zell, who is this fighter, punchy guy, who is very enthusiastic, Quistus, who is your instructor, but is not much older than you and is very insecure, and Selfie, who is this bubbly transfer student from another garden. Uh, you graduate, even though Seifer didn't and resents you for it, um, because he ran off and followed his own orders in the mission, but you followed him. Followed he has him. a romantic dream. He has a romantic dream. Someday he might tell you about it. <laughs> as you graduate, you're then uh, sent as your first mission to Timber, in which you take part in this small resistance movement led by Renoa Hartley, who is this uh, kind of flighty young resistance leader with her goofy band of resistant fighters and you're taking on this overbearing president of Galvadia 
which is this very militarized growing threat um while there the sorceress shows up and she's a magical lady and Seifer decides to prove his loyalty by trying to assassinate the president um which was i guess technically your idea um but instead walks away at the sorceress when she offers to uh take him away i don't know what does she do? She like coerces him anyway. It, it doesn't really say. He, yeah, he's following kind them, of... and he's like, "Oh shit, he's going with the sorceress." Uh, oh, bye. Uh, it becomes quickly clear that the sorceress is like taking all the power of Galvadia, and the sorceress is magical and evil, and thus you are sent to assassinate her with the help of your last party member, which is Irvin, who is this cowboy womanizer sniper guy. Uh, that mission goes horribly wrong as. Adea kidnaps, kind of, Renoa as Renoa tries to interfere in seed affairs, and then your assassination goes bad, and you're almost killed and captured. Uh, in prison, everyone kind of splits up. Um, one group, dis- uh, as Galvadia takes you into captivity, uh, Galvadia tries to attack your garden, your group splits up. One group tries to destroy the missile base that is firing on all the gardens, uh, while the other group goes back to garden to try to liberate it. Uh, you manage to defeat the evil that sleeps within the garden and awaken the garden as a thing that moves. Uh, your school is like a giant airship town now, and the sorceress is secretly married to the headmaster of your school, and that's where we ended, which was the Norg fight. I think that's everything. Oh, also... Every once in a while, your group faints and has dreams of a guy from a long time ago named Laguna and his compatriots who are real goofballs. Even at this point where they, they haven't actually revealed anything about what Final Fantasy VIII's about, just describing what happens in that game is the least effective way of communicating what that game is. Yeah, but if someone hasn't played it, I want to at least give them enough story that they understand what we're going to Oh no, you've got to do it, but it just made me realise that this game, the actual events and text is like the most surface level thing. There's a lot of moving parts to this game. Way more than there seven. There really are. <laughs> yeah. This game stops no less than three times in the first half of this game to give you elaborate sequences where they explain a plan to you, and then... <laughs> It doesn't actually matter because either the plan doesn't actually unfold that way or it'll explain it to you piece by piece as you go through the plan. The the train one and the assassination, what's the first one? What's the other one? The uh, Dalit, like, original mission stuff. Oh, yes. Where Zoo comes in and she's like, here's where where you're going to go. You're going to landfall. You're going to go into town center. Hold the position. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) What a ridiculous thing. Yep. I kind of like it as a weird... Um, dare I say, immersive thing. Like, oh, we're really doing this. But then when, you know, you actually go and do the thing that they've been building up to the whole time, it uh, it's not as exciting. So, as opposed to the, like, in Media Res opening of Final Fantasy VII, this is a game that starts out with a really slow opening where you're kind of given a place to explore and characters to slowly be introduced to and kind of a like a world to inhabit first and foremost. And mm-hmm. its general unfolding is like a much more leisurely thing. This is a game that is happy to just give you moments in the lives of the people in this universe. And part of that is probably reinforced by the new art style. This is the first game that was uh, 
primarily designed by um why can't I think of his name now? I almost said Amano. Th- this time I know, but okay. I'm I'm letting you take No, you got to do it. Oh, uh I'll just scroll down. Nope. <laughs> not on here. Not on here. Oh god. Jackson it's Nomura. Nomura. That's Tetsuya? Yeah, Tetsuya Nomura. Um we and that gives it a general like more modern times slash futuristic bent wherein people live in places that seem relatively modern day but there's a bunch of floaty magical shit around which is the Nomura aesthetic to a T I think uh more floaty magical shit the deeper you get in I guess and it has like weird broke Japanese Europe in it more than Final Fantasy 7 oh yeah uh, Final Fantasy 7 is like, very like industrial, industrial yeah. yeah and this is but, like peaceful, what's the main city called uh Daling City Daling City yeah has like an Arc de Triomphe in it yep <laughs> And, like, Balam just seems like this quiet coastal village, and Windhill is, like, the most farming town. It's like a little English hamlet. Mm-hmm. Wind- ah, Windhill's great. So, Final Fantasy VIII's a weird game for me because the way a lot of people think about Final Fantasy VII, like, it's their formative game, that's what eight was to me. It hit at the exact right time. I was 14 and ready to have a game be that game for me. And so for me, it's really weird to reapproach this game. Uh, we're mostly going to be talking about systems and stuff today or this time, because as Jackson said, most of the plot has not actually illustrated itself yet much. Like the actual, what the game is about hasn't really, it's just barely started to happen in this part where we ended yet, because it takes a long time to build up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you guys, Jackson, you want to introduce the systems, how this game works, what it's about? So, in addition to being this really complicated, thematically dense story, it also has the world's most complicated fighting system and level-up system uh, in all of RPGs. That's not true. It's actually pretty tame in the grand scheme of things, I assume. RPGs go throw dark in that sense. But, you, so, you don't level up, or you do level up, but your leveling up isn't actually related to how well your skills work. Uh, each of your characters uh, can assign spirits called Guardian Forces to them, and they level up, but with a different point than XP. And you then... Um, the Guardian Forces can learn skills, which you can then junction to your stats, which means if you have a, if a Guardian Forces learned 100 Kiragas... The Guardian Forces don't learn magic, Jackson. You're missing shit. a key point of the game. I am. It's because it's because it's nonsense. It's really complicated. Get AP points instead of XP, and and then you um junction the uh like the the amounts of magic because you draw magic essentially instead of having MP. So like you can get five Faraga and. 15 blizzards and and such. Is that the party left out? Yes. Where this is a game that's about storing magic as like a consumable item and not an MP game. Which I actually prefer to having MP to believe it or not. So this is like maybe the biggest sticking point of all of Final Fantasy VIII in that this is clearly designed to encourage you to use magic, because the problem with MP is once you attach MP to spells, nobody wants to use magic, because it's like, oh, we gotta conserve MP. The problem is, by 
instead attaching magic to stats, I'm still not likely to use magic because using magic will actually lower your stats. Like slowly, yeah, that, yeah. but it'll do it. I, I just, can't ever, just, I can't ever. Oh, you go. I was about to say, you just replenish that magic. With, so yeah, the, the, it's weird to talk about right ways or wrong ways, but the, the right way if you are intense about your RPGs, but the wrong way if you want to have fun with Final Fantasy VIII is as soon as you find a source of magic, you get 300 of them. So your entire party has it and then you never see you spend them. Because your stats are the highest they could be. Jackson, this is how you played, I think. I spent about 15 hours, mostly, to be fair, on Skype with you guys. Yep. Um, oh no, I spent about three hours drawing magic and leveling up. What I then spent a lot of time doing was playing the card game and unlocking po- points that way, which you could then... Cause this battle system exists in tandem with another mini game that is called Triple Triad. You go around and you get these cards. You can then turn into skills or items. Oh god! Yeah, it's a really Ooh. the junctioning part of this game is actually not that complicated. It's the items turning into magic and card game drawing system that is really baroque. I didn't play the card game at all. I played it the one time to learn it. Couldn't get the hang of it. Lost my best card right away and haven't looked back. Which is... The game totally supports that. Jackson is playing the way I played when I was 14. The problem is, like, when I played the game that way, it was the game that I played for an entire summer. And I don't... We don't... Nobody plays games that way anymore. No. God, oh, it really burned me out. Like... I think I took a bit of a break between building up my character and actually moving on with the plot of eight. Yep. But, but then after I built, up, went on, I was like just trashing every single thing. But it started to get difficult again. So I think I, when I start again, I'm going to have to do another bout of grinding, and then hopefully I can get through to the end. Yeah, just upgrade your oh, magic. Because at this point, yep. you should have like a medium magic refine and stuff like that. Yeah, I've got that. I mean, you're also. This is also a point in the game where you're just about to get kicked loose to go get a bunch of more guardian forces, and then you'll become way more powerful again. Yay! Pretty excited for that. Yeah. Um. So, as a systems game, it's complicated, and like the least friendly thing, which is interesting because I think the game itself is also like. If you like, I enjoy JRPGs because I liked Final Fantasy VII. This game doesn't give you a lot of what you were looking for early on. What What are you looking for? I don't know, but you had like you and Destiny both seem to have a hard time like getting into the game initially. I just thought that the like the way they introduced the like the tutorials made everything seem really intimidating, and that's what what made it seem really inaccessible. But once I actually started playing, it was fine. Okay. Jackson, you had like more. I f- I feel like you were kind of put off by the game's setting or tone as we started on. Uh, my thing when I you mean my thing was the story that was pushing me away. Yeah, I just wanted you to speak first. to that because, like, you're playing a school and the school sucks so much at the start. I I, I categorically I object to you saying school sucks. I know you do. He's a but I'm jerk. Just... I don't know if he sucks. He's an but he's a to jerk. everyone. Yeah, I, I don't think he sucks like at this point in the game as much. But like when you don't have the context of what his deal is, he's just an asshole to everyone. Mm-hmm. And like the game doesn't bother to it tr- trusts that you're gonna stick with it. I guess it's 
uh, interesting to me because we're like you're you said like I'm the person who really liked seven and is yes. excited for eight. But in actuality, you're not that person because you've also seen Advent Children. You've also played Final Fantasy 13. So the idea of like the cool taciturn, I'm better than everybody else JRPG hero exists in your mind as a thing that Final Fantasy eventually became. Mm-hmm. Like the cloud in Advent Children is exactly the kind of jerk that they claim that people claim Squall is. Initially, well, yeah, but it's, it's also the kind of jerk that like Cloud was initially. Yeah, so but Cloud, I feel like Cloud steps away from it way faster than Squall does. Uh, I disagree. Oh, okay. I think Cl- what they do with Cloud is he just doesn't really talk much for the That's first true. half of the game. That's he, true. They set it. They set him up. You have they give you the flashback scenes so you care. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's that that does it. You, they give him. They humanize him enough for you to care through the first half, and then it's when they reveal his deal. The cloud suddenly becomes cool. Yeah. This game is, uh, because you have a much more reduced cast, there's only the six characters. It spends a lot more time on the interior lives of at least most of them. Some characters like Irvin and Selfie don't get a whole, or Zell don't get a whole lot. I guess it's half of the cast gets plot and the other half doesn't. But, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Irvin gets some stuff, but it's very much interested in the interior life of Squall. One of the things that this game does that I actually can't think of many games that do is it gives you a lot of his internal monologue as he's reacting to things. Which is my favorite thing, I think, about the writing of the game, because I've never seen that before, really. Mm-hmm. To the extent where he will be saying something and you'll get his thoughts about the thing he's saying as he's saying it. Yeah, right. I really like that. Yeah, seeing his, like, contradictions is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And it made me actually like him a lot more. That... Someone oh, has sorry. to speak. <laughs> I thought Destiny had more. Oh no, that's that's all. That I didn't had sound to like say. a finished thought to me. That's all right. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Uh, it's okay. I could say more if you'd like. Uh, go ahead. I mean, this is the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, like as far as um the characterization, like I I think I expected more of a I don't know something. I guess more like seven, where it was going to be another cloud doing his thing but i like that squall isn't a um like he's an angst bucket but it's not like i don't know uh one of the other things this game does really well is like gestures um like someone will shrug after a line or or contradict themselves and then make like a the look at another character and you don't see that a lot in games like this no, especially this era. Like, yeah. this game's reliance on a more realistic style means that the characters gesticulate in a way that is much more, like, attuned to how people gesture and pantomime things in real life. And it's really janky in terms of like, the pacing, because every animation has to play out in full before the next line of dialogue. But it, regardless of that, like, it works. Yeah. Uh, it's really like, impressive. Yeah, there's so many moments where it'll be silent for, like, ten seconds, as it, or even longer, as it'll go through three different gestures which would take the place of like a uh like a ha 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 line or something yeah and they're like really like selfies like bouncing out of the train compartment to go look out the window or uh everyone leaping down the cliff yeah there's a lot of waiting in this game mm -hmm. like deliberate you can't control the character waiting moments and i've never experienced anything like that before 
And you can control the character waiting moments. There are moments where I've just walked around and gone, there's nothing for me to do, and you just wait until someone else walks in. Mm -hmm. That's true. (laughs) Uh, One of the interesting things structurally about this game is they definitely lean harder into incorporating character models into the pre-rendered CG scenes. Like, there's a little bit of that in 7, but they definitely step it up here where they try to integrate. Your character will just wander in and out of cutscenes that are happening behind them. Yeah, like the the big one I know is the one when you're escaping the prison in the desert and it, you're walking across the bridge and as you're doing that it pans back and shows there's, you this landscape. There's just a bink video behind you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, the best thing about that is that's exactly the kind of shot that would be used as spectacle shot video games today in 2015. Yeah. Like, the fidelity would be a bit better, but it's the, the same thing. No, this is the definitely the game that really put its like planted its flag in cinematic presentation mm-hmm. which is interesting because revisiting this this game to me is very novelistic in a way that most games are not because it is so much about the interior lives of its characters and the strange connections that kind of link up that it, it kind of just leaves you to figure out it reminded me of planescape that's fair uh, that's actually really fair because that's also a game where a lot of the connections are really suggested. Like Laguna's earliest plot thread is he's really in love with this woman named Julia and goes and, you know, has this moment with her where it seems like maybe they'll get together, but he's called away on a mission and just fate keeps them apart. And then a year later, when you ask about, uh, Julia, it's like, oh, well, Actually, she married this uh, general in Dailing City, and she's got this famous song. But she's like, you know, she's got a she's a wife, and she's got a kid on the way. And that general has just been introduced to you in the main plot as Renoa's father, leading to Julia being Renoa's mother, and these threads that are drawn between times, even though it doesn't explicitly state, "Hey, guess what." Laguna's storyline is going to intersect with characters that are generationally separated from Squall's storyline. Um, I I don't know when I worked out that Laguna's storyline was in the past, but I did. I don't know. Maybe I just assumed that. I mean, I think the Windhill stuff is when it's first explicitly stated that it's in the past. It might be, but I thought I knew before that. But you, maybe I, just... I, I think there's if you're like talking to all the characters and stuff. Yeah. The, the fact uh, Laguna is like running around as a Galbadian soldier fighting Esthar soldiers. And in the modern time, they talk about Esthar being this place that has been like, it was this nation that was also really militaristic, but has basically been like silent and no one knows what's going on for like decades. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So, I, did, I did know that. There... I knew both of those in- points of information. Mm-hmm. Didn't really think about it. Yeah. I like the Laguna stuff more than the school stuff still at this point. Laguna is probably my favorite character. Okay. This is my hot Final Fantasy second Final Fantasy VIII takes. I, uh, hot takes. I hot give, takes. I will give you a hotter take. Laguna what? is my favorite character in all of Final Fantasy. <gasps> oh, really? Yes. That's great. Did not see that coming. Did not see that coming. He's, He's been, been teasing, teasing this that. for weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have more fun selfie, right? Yeah. Which makes sense given my proclivities as an adult. But, but there's more, like, the selfie archetype of character is so done in Final Fantasy that I don't know what would make selfie The special. The actual, like, the version of that character that I like in Final Fantasy the most is uh, Riku from Final Fantasy X. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Laguna is this bumbling, true-hearted, 
like I love him so much. Want like he wants to be a writer and he wants to be a hero and he doesn't know how to be either of those things very well. And I love him. Yeah, he's earnest and sweet and Squall thinks he's an idiot every time oh, he inhabits him and it's beautiful. Squall making fun of him when he's in Julia's room is my favorite, favorite sequence in the game. And I'm just here getting getting annoyed with school. Like, he's the best. Why can't you see he's the best? God damn it, school. But then also, like, <laughs> Selfie's in love with him and calls him Sir Laguna. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where wouldn't you be? He's got, like, the most earnest hopelessness mm-hmm. of all time. Like, it's not... I, I liked him at first, because um, uh, his... <laughs> goofiness with julia was great but it's when you get to wind hill and you realize that his life is just falling apart constantly that's his life just does that and he's still got these dreams and these hopes and everything and it's it just you're just taking a short tour through a series of misconnections and moments and could have been through his life and i assume that continues as the game goes and it, the connections between this and school's thing will become more explicit at this point but at the moment i'm just enjoying it as laguna's story and his sad existence. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's the best. Yep. He's the best. I'm glad you said that one. That's a good one. Yeah. No, I... The the actual, like, more of the reasons why I love Laguna are deeper into that game, but... Okay. Can't talk about it too much, but yeah, he's nope. the best. His arc is just amazing. And, like, it it's played as comic relief for the most part, but that's half of why it works. Mm-hmm. Because true. his story is such a like small human thing compared to the Squall Seafer Renoa drama. Yeah, even but his story could is the same kind of thing, I guess. Like, uh, what's ha- like he's got he fell in love with Julia, but it was this like quick thing, and then he went off to war and um, injured himself, and Julia got married, and all like the world is changing around him. It's the stuff in Laguna's story is totally high-stakes drama. They just play it as just this, this is just what happens in this world. This is his life. This is just a guy's life. And it conveys <laughs> that so well. In, and video games never do that. In video games, especially big, um, high-scale uh, like RPG-type stuff. Oh, not RPGs, but just high-scale action games or whatever. Uh, they don't just let a guy's life just be that. And mm-hmm. that be enough for the meaning uh, of what's going on, and I love that's what I love about Lagoon, especially in my world where he doesn't fight anyone ever. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right, because you have Encounter None on for that nope. game, don't, don't yep. you? Yeah, he just walks through in the loneliest nice. world possible. Oh, that's, that's sad because Laguna has the best battle music ever. He does. Oh, the Laguna battle music is so good. Yep, uh, but yeah, I mean. I would think, I think Squall's story is equally, like, intimate, though. Like, more stuff outside of it happens, but Squall's internal life and the lives of the characters around him, like, Squall is this character who's challenged by Seifer and by the expectations of people around him, and he doesn't know how to deal with their, like, everyone constantly turns to him to be a leader, and he doesn't know, he doesn't understand why, and he doesn't feel like he's capable of it, even though Mm -hmm. he demonstrates time and again that it is the one thing that he is good at. Mm-hmm. That's true. And then Seifer, like, being his rival and theoretically being his better, but also being this guy who failed where Squall is succeeding, like, throws him into this existential crisis. I mean... because well, he... I... Maybe... I don't know what he is like at this point, because we haven't, like, checked in with school. It's still... The game's still setting up, kind of. 
Like the school character development hasn't really. I mean, there's there's gear. been quite a bit. Of, like he he is he had the fight with Seifer, and then he's following Seifer's orders because he's like, I'm going to follow orders, whatever. But then Seifer ends up not graduating, and like there's the part where he goes on trial and is sentenced to death, and Squall freaks out at this idea that that that's the first moment in the game where I was like coming around on school. It was yeah, that scene because Seifer is. Squall thinks of Seifer as this character that is so antithetical to him that it helps shape who he is as a person. Like, Squall thinks of himself as in relation to Seifer. Like, Seifer is this, I will be that. Yeah, he says uh, Seifer would understand uh, yeah. when everyone is, like, calling him out and being shitty. He's like, no, you don't understand. That's Only Seifer knows me. Yeah. <laughs> but, and so the idea that Seifer would be, like, taken out of his life, like, throws him into disarray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, like, other characters, like, Renoa's arc is this character who is raised by this very militaristic, straight-laced father and his mother who is seemingly absent. And she's very, like, it, it seems like she's doted on. And so she has this very childlike sensibility. But she takes that into rebelling by becoming an actual rebel against, like, a government that is oppressing its people or at least overreaching. But... Even in that, like, Squall and company don't take her seriously because she acts like, like, you know, they call, like, I think it's the people in her organization call her the princess. Like, the princess is napping, don't go bother her. Mm -hmm. But it's that, like, childlike nature that makes her tenacious. And it's in opposition to Squall's self-serious, like, grim, I'm going to follow the mission. Right. Whereas she is a character that is all, like, she is much closer to Laguna in temperament. Yeah. I like Renara a lot, especially with her just like, I'm going to go, I'm going to just go be this, like, lead this tiny, shitty rebellion. Mm -hmm. And they're so ineffectual. Their plan is this goofy train thing. And they, they like, everyone comments on how the trains are painted poorly because Renoa painted them. (laughs) (laughs) As opposed to most RPGs of this type where even Avalanche, in a way, felt like... um, it was symbolic of a slightly larger organization. Mm-hmm. This right, yeah. feels like it's just three guys. Mm-hmm. Just a bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. And then the reaction of Squall and even Zell and Selfie when they realize that the contract that Renoa has basically keeps them in her employ forever. Because it's like, until Timber is limber- liberated, which is incredibly vague. Yeah. And all three of them are like, what the fuck does that... Oh, for God's sake. Oh, we <laughs> yep. have to do this. Yeah. The sequence where Sid is just... You're, dic- you're reading the letter and it's just Sid pacing, dictating this note that dooms you all. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I think mean, this is a game that d- tends to like lean more heavily into like broad physical comedy, which I think is interesting. Like you have that stuff, you have the moment where everyone gets their weapons back in the prison and does a cool pose. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. They all like... They're all tiny and then they grow huge and do their little. The best, <laughs> and it, it capped off with the Moomba doing a pose also. Yes, yep. for no reason. <laughs> Just the reason he's there. The reason is to say we know that you know that we know that this is dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's the best. I love it. I love it. But, uh, that physical comedy is like all over it from Zell's shadow boxing antics to selfie like dancing about trains to oh we wouldn't jump off that cliff why would anyone jump off that cliff <laughs> that's not a thing people would do the hot dog line yeah yeah i, I it's a, it's a game that ha- holds more tones in it than 
like especially the first half of seven was just unloading character introduction after introduction and various arcs like halfway through seven barrett's arc had been completed red 13's arc had been completed like characters were getting wrapped up more or less yeah seven was just okay let's deal with all this not filler stuff but the stuff that isn't the main plot stuff so we can just then tell the story in the second disc it was very jrpg Mm -hmm. yeah whereas now we have characters are kind of all in this situation where they just are carried along by the plot for now anyway Mm-hmm. that's what i think about it at the moment is that they all the setup happened in seed but it's kind of since um since the like getting to the garden and the Cephas death thing and then parts of the big final sequence of disc one it's just been stuff happening and people kind of reacting that hasn't hasn't slowed down to like taught character for a, for a while well i mean let's talk about the state of the world so Galbadia. Oof. Oof. <laughs> I, I mean, it, 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 there's, it's kind of messy at this point, but I think it's important to get a handle on. So, Galbadia is this overarching military force, and that's bad, just in general. Because uh, they're, like, invading other countries, whatever, like, timbers under their sway, things like that. Uh, the sorceress has overthrown the president and is in control of Galbadia, which is extra bad. And Seifer is working with the sorceress. Right. Because she has co-opted him, maybe brainwashed him, maybe he's okay with it. I don't know. I uh, thought it implied he was totally okay with it. He's totally okay with it. Spoiler. I assume. Yeah. yeah. Um, Like, th- this is one of my f- favorite things about this game, is that it's just a story of these characters. There's no brainwashing. No one's like an alternate person. No one has amnesia. It's just these characters and their lives and how they're dealing with it. And I really like it. That is being so I hadn't even just... thought of that. Yeah, yeah, it's like devoid of all those tropes and just going into the internal lives of these characters. Yeah. Which is what I like. And Seifer wanted, wanted someone who would respect him and treat him like an adult, and he found it just in the villain. And well, so... the, the villain shared his romantic dream. Yep. <laughs> which uh, will continue to take up part of our plot. <laughs> uh, however, it turns out that the sorceress is married to the headmaster of Garden, who... <laughs> The gardens, it explains, like, right at the end, were set up to fight the sorceress. So at some point, the sorceress is not what she is now, and something happened to her to make her evil. And your jo- the garden's job in general is to find a way to stop it. Yeah, he was like, okay, we were just training folks because I needed an army, uh, and this sorceress is a bad news, I was married to her, we got to deal with this. Yeah, but, I mean, he still says he, she wasn't always like this. Mm-hmm. So something has gone wrong. And the sorceress, uh, it's kind of tucked away in the lore of the world right now, but the sorceress was a, is a thing that recurs throughout history. Like there was a sorceress war at some point in the past because it's referred to in like Laguna's time as a thing that has already happened. Yeah. So sorceresses are a bad news thing. <laughs> but now the garden is floating. So that's good, I guess. You're kind of a drifted sea. school. And uh, half your party is theoretically Who dead. Knows? Yeah, everybody <laughs> exploded. I know they're not dead, but I like I would believe that that I know nobody, no death, and everything. But they that was a death scene. Straight I expected up. them to be dead. I because I, I mean, if they killed Ares, they could they could do anything, right? I Matt laughed at me because he was like, "Of course they're not going to die." I, I laughed party. because Jackson already had 
had already had that moment where he said, oh, I, they're dead. I'm like, what? Why would they ever be dead? <laughs> I just assumed that like you would just get new party members and it was that kind of game. If they had assigned your party and... This isn't, I, this isn't Final Fantasy IV. This is Final Fantasy VIII. I, I had assumed that if they had assigned your party like if, if, and sent Quistis and Renoa with you and the other three had just died like that, I'd have believed that. Like, straight up. Like, sure, but they let you pick who your third... Or they let I you know. pick both your party members, actually. That's true. I just wasn't the, thinking. That, that was the only thing that made me... Re- like, if, if they hadn't done that, I would have believed it. Because Selfie's uh, being there and Selfie's, like, moment of realisation that she's about to die is, like, core to her character and everything. So I have no doubt they're going to get out of that without cheating. Because yeah, I actually don't remember how they get out of it. It's not important. <laughs> is the only thing I remember. <laughs> they just show up. It wasn't easy. It, I was about it to might not be much more than that, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> That's some Metal Gear Solid bullshit right there. It might Very be like, oh, we found a truck China. and we drove out real fast. We knocked down a fence. Something dumb like that. <laughs> if, no, I hope there's a flashback. I, no, it's not. <laughs> I, I don't remember it being a big deal. This is not a sticking plot point. It's Zaz, it cuts back to Zaz, and he shot behind him. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't shoot himself in the head, he just shot in the other direction. God damn it. (laughs) Stop cutting to black and having a gunshot. I'm banning that trope. I'm banning it. I think that's the only time it'll happen in this game, but I could be wrong. We'll see. I mean, there's that time Laguna fell off the cliff and maybe died. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, is one actually the, maybe that... the best moment in the first half of this game, where is... you get to the end of this area and your party members are almost dead, and he he's like, "Oh, I gotta save you!" So he chucks them off of a cliff into the ocean, and he's like, "Oh, that looked like it hurt. I'm gonna climb down safely," and <laughs> slips as he does so and bounces off the rocks on his way down. That's that really is great. the be- the one time or the best time in the entire game where the prolonged slow animations of every single character <laughs> just combined for this like 20 second maybe 30 second long setup for guy falls off cliff yep. <laughs> <laughs> so inevitable so good yep it's pretty good i'm a fan so how do you guys feel about Final Fantasy VIII so far? Um, I don't really remember anymore. No, <laughs> I enjoy it's it. Good. It's pretty good. I don't know if I prefer it to seven. I was gonna say uh, I like having the the drawing of the magic because I yeah I'm more inclined to use it and I don't mind replenishing it a bunch so I don't worry about losing my stats or whatever. Um, I like the characters. I like that there aren't any weird platformer bits. Oh yeah, they they take out almost all of the dumb mini games. Those have been stripped immediately. I mean, there's a few things here and there, but they're not as nerve wracking as uh, anything we didn't. Sure, but you're never going to go snowboarding in this game. Like it's clear. Exactly. Yeah, it's clear from the like get go that that's not what this game is. Thank goodness. None of those weird oh. swing onto the pole to climb up the wall of Sector Five. That everybody had so much trouble with. Yeah. Oh, God. Don't remind me. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Final Fantasy VII was terrible. Throw it in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like Seven way more at this point, but I can tell why Eight's a better game, probably. It, they're very different things. I like... I think Eight's a bold game. I think it's a game that would never be... Like, it's it was a very experimental thing, like, both in, like, formal structure and storytelling, 
and they've never really gone back to this kind of storytelling. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think a modern game has the faith in the audience to like suggest more than it shows. I would I think disagree right. with that, but really? I would, yeah. I like, mean, that's when like you this... look when you look at like the opening of thirteen and the lore dump it gives you and the codex Final, that comes Final with Fantasy it. Ain't, Final Fantasy ain't going to do this kind of thing again. Okay, but... I'm speaking specifically of Final Fantasy and of oh, JRPGs yeah, yeah. in general. Okay, I don't know. I I feel like it's it, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's a strange thing. I feel like it's more born out of this being early 3D narrative game and they don't, like, the conventions for what an ambitious large-scale narrative, like, deep narrative is, hadn't been set yet. Sure. So it come like, it's a very... But, in general, I don't think, I don't think a 50-hour game would have this kind of plotting again. I don't think people would do that. That's true. But I I don't want people to make 50-hour games. I mean, they're still make- <laughs> Final Fantasy 15 comes out this year. It's going to be okay. that long. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Okay, it comes out early next year, and it's going to be at least that long. <laughs> it comes out in at least September next year. No, come on. It's not. That's not going to come out in, in in America. That is not coming out until fall 2016. I don't believe you. I believe me. That's fine. I just don't think you're right. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> we shall. Uh, well, you've uh, heard it here, folks. <laughs> I like, I don't like Seven more because I like connected more with the characters in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like School as a protagonist, I understand him, I, I get him, I don't hate him or anything anymore. But I, I don't like the character I relate to most in Eight is Quistus by a mile and a half, and the game keeps going out of her way to like going out of its way to put her down. Would you I like to? Like. Would you like to elaborate on that? Like so. Um, there's the scene where, to you, it, we discussed this scene, to you it plays as like this, um, ah, I should describe the scene. It's the scene where, uh, what is the setup for it? It's the one in the, the garden where Quistus has just got fired. Okay, it's the night of the graduation, right? Yes. Where Quistus is like, hey, you come with me, I want to talk to you, and you go to like the secret makeout spot in the garden, and Quistus basically dumps on you that she never felt i i don't think she does i thought she quit i didn't think she got fired i'm i think she, she quit she, did she, uh, i can't, i remember being i am almost it, positive that she quits okay maybe it was that but, I don't know, but i know she's not suitable for the job anymore well no she's like i i i was always like this prod like this uh prodigy in garden but i actually don't feel that way i feel like i have no reason to be teaching People who are like this, like the, on my same people I consider peers always look up to me, and I don't think that's right, and it's not what I wanted to do, and I feel really insecure about it. But you read that as like them like taking her down as like a character, right? With that moment, and it, uh, oh, it's when school set like just throws this all back in her face because she's like having this breakdown about why she's doing this and how she can carry on. And she turns to school, who's the only really person that she can turn to, and he just goes, but fuck off. Yeah, but to Squall, it's like the teacher that's basically been instructing him throughout his like entire coming. Like, Squall takes being a seed very seriously, and suddenly his, insp- his, his instructor's like, oh, actually, I'm no better than you, and I'm actually really insecure, and I have all these feelings. And Squall's a really insecure person, too, but... He, the way he processes that is through this like bravado and this shell of well, I'm going to be indifferent. And that's what it, 
came across as to me. It came across as school uh, processing his own insecurities by throwing someone else's insecurities back in their face. But Squall sees that, like, that taciturn reaction is what being a good seed is. Like, Squall's reaction, I think, speaks to Quistus actually being really good at making seeds. It's just maybe that's not what she wants to be doing. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, and, a, he's a great student because he's learned all of these things. Like, if she could be this cold ice queen that, like, kids or students idolize and have this fan club of because she's so remote. And actually, she has this roiling, like, sea of insecurities. Then that's the thing that she's imparted in the squall. Mm-hmm. And then it was, like, the scene at the end of disc one where... In in the big big set piece where she has to go back for Renoa, there was played as a comedy bit, but the joke was like to me it played as like a joke where the butt of the joke was the fact that she cared that she hurt someone. I don't I don't think it's necessarily a joke. I think it's just yeah, I didn't see that poor as a timing. Joke either. Ooh, it, uh, it, luckily she got out of the situation and it wasn't just her messing up the mission because of it. No, the mission yeah. gets messed up for all other reasons. No, nope, like oh man, yeah, because when it happened, I was like oh. Like, before she went back and I saw the seeds of it being planted, I was like, if this just ends up being the Quistus misses up the mission because she didn't want to hurt someone, I'm going to be really annoyed. But luckily it wasn't that. It was The actual point where I think the Quistus stuff, like, is maybe a point of contention, I think it's just character building, is Quistus and Renoa have, um, like, in the same way that Squall and Renoa do, have kind of opposite reactions to things, where Renoa is very emotive and is often seen as petulant, but Quistus will, like, grin and bear just about anything. And Mm -hmm. so she, uh, like, rails at Renoa for having a genuine reaction, because to Quistus, genuine reactions are these signs of weakness, which is the same thing that Squall has. Mm -hmm. And both of them are kind of, like, unlearning that. I think a lot of this game is the process of these characters who are really uh stunted in their emotional expression like learning how to open up yeah i don't know i like i say i don't know uh because uh, the characters are in uh seven even though i li- liked them especially post everything cloud like i hate first cloud but second cloud's pretty great uh <laughs> even though i connected them they're not they're pretty one note. They yeah. have their thing. Yeah, the characters here thing. and the way they relate is way more multidimensional, which means that, mm-hmm. yeah, you can have a lot of different reads on it. Like, which, is, which is why I, I say it's like a strangely novelistic way of telling stories. Because in the scene where uh, school um, talks to Quistus at, in the garden, I think, uh, fuck school, but in the scene where Quistus shouts at Renoa, I think, fuck Quistus. And like all these relationships interact with one another in these conflicting ways. It's uh it's really good. It's really well written. It's a good video game. Yep. I uh I have a lot of passionate feelings about this game, but most of the stuff I care a lot about hasn't happened yet. So mm-hmm. So what happens at the end? Yeah, how does it end? <laughs> if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> they travel back to the creation of the earth and it's Sid. <laughs> no, well, it's not that. But there, the the thing I would say, like my enduring moment of like the way Final Fantasy VIII ends. If I said it right now, you'd be like, whatever. Like that's not a thing. <laughs> that's exciting. Or you I mean, roll your eyes. I assume it's to do with uh, school and Renoa's love story, which hasn't even started. <laughs> they haven't even begun that. That was like the 
this dance and then when they meet on the train and then nothing and he's the best looking guy there blug (laughs) blug i think squall's a decent looking guy no but more the idea that this relationship that is meant to be like that has been presented to me from the opening title sequence from everything about this game's like what it said going in is going to be this epic love story the beginning of it is just a moment like i've picked you because you're cool i I find that disappointing for some reason it's like it's like the meat cute you know Mm -hmm. yeah but she could just do better. Also, just like the thing more no, interesting no, is not, that I'm she she picks Squall as she's coming out of a relationship with Seifer. Good point. Mm-hmm. Like she's like, oh, me and Seifer used to be together, but I, you know, that didn't work out. And it's never, I don't think it's ever really expressed why, but you get the sense that like Seifer and her just didn't gel on some level, even though like Seifer goes and tries to assassinate the president because it's the thing Renoa wants. Which is a very Seifer thing to do of, here, this is the thing that you wanted. This is how I profess my emotions, because I'm a stunted child. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, Squall is, has kind of the same, like, comes from the same place, but responds in an opposite way. Yeah. But, I don't know, I think that stuff is really interesting. And, it, yeah, <laughs> most of it hasn't played out yet, for sure. It's really difficult to have this conversation when I haven't actually reached the conclusion of it, and everything's uncertain. So, like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm... In the first half of seven, I was way harder on all the weird character bits in seven in the same way I'm being here because it hasn't concluded them. No, that's fair. That's uh, I think that's a reasonable response. And I'm ex- I'm excited to finish it now that I can. I can I could go tonight and play more of that game. I won't. I'm going to watch Power Marathon. through. Yeah. <laughs> so Destiny. Any final thoughts? I really don't feel like I can speak to this. So I'm just going to let you guys do it. <laughs> I don't, I don't have any final thoughts. I'm enjoying it. I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm glad half the party isn't dead. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to have a lot more to say when we're done, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I assumed. <laughs> All right, well, that'll be it. Next time. It took me until the end of disc one to realize that seed and garden was like a wordplay thing. <laughs> Great. Good job. You did it. How I did think you I not was... know that? I just did. I didn't put two and two together. There was seed and it was good. I'm bad at words, apparently. You're like <laughs> the pun master. I am, but it was because seed had like a capitalized D. That was actually what did it. So all I read in my mind was initialized name. Oh. There are so many proper nouns in Final Fantasy so in Final Fantasy games, I can't actually be expected to know when the proper nouns have like connection and meaning and when they don't, because there's thousands of them. The seeds are in the garden. I know, and I felt like a ridiculously stupid person for not getting because it's when um, Adia turns to uh, school and he says a seed planted in a garden and I just went oh phoenix down
Alright, so, the next one of these is not going to be for a couple weeks. But in the meantime, we have a belated announcement, don't we, Jackson? Yes. I'm recording a podcast, I'm very on it. Last time we talked, we had not yet discussed our game for uh, April, May. May, for May. But we have since decided on what we're going to play. Jackson, do you want to reveal to the people what we're playing in May? Uh, I... I was going to reach over and like do a drum roll on the literal drum that is over there, but I can't. It's Attack of the Friday Monsters. Which is a Nintendo oh, 3DS. 3DS game that you can get on the eShop for like 7 or $8. And we're, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing. Um, if you have access to a 3DS, it's only like three hours long. Go play it. Yeah. yeah. I will tell you right now, it's a great game. Yep. You've played it. I've played a bit of it. We wanted something short because neither of us can going to be bothered to play video games anymore. Well, we got all that eight to finish. Yeah, it's true. I'm playing all the fucking Star Wars. I played all of the Force Unleashed, and I hate everything. Why did I do that? I <laughs> I don't remember the Force Unleashed being that bad, but I bet it hasn't aged well in the six seven years since I played it. I just really hated the story. Mm-hmm. No, the story's not good. Hey, you're Star Killer. You're like Luke Skywalker, but you're more badass and you're evil. The best moment of it was when... So, the story begins, you are Darth Vader, you find the thing, whatever, and then you're, you're Starkiller kneeling down in front of Lord Vader, and there's, like, a conversation there. And then you stand up and walk out the room, and suddenly his voice switches, and he's, like, just cool guy video game protagonist. And I just went, oh, video games, fuck. And then his comic relief uh, assassin robot walks in, and then his hot new pilot walks in and they're like hey and I'm like fuck everything burn this to the ground throw Uncharted in the bin I hate everything (laughs) yeah but there's that bit at the opening where you play as Darth Vader that's alright no it's not because you're too slow well you're Darth Vader Darth Vader doesn't run yeah when has he ever ran that game doesn't do being slow well you just stroll and you ruin things it's alright I don't know like, it's the perfect thing to, like, hey, we got this cool tech, let's show it off. Which is all that game really is. Yeah, yeah. I consider it, like, a thing to speedrun in, but that's... I play that game strangely. It, it's not a good game. No. 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 Alright. So we're doing Attack of the Friday Monsters. We might have something bonus for you before that, though. I'm not going to say what it is, but we got a thing that might happen. So get hype for that. Please do. You don't know what it is, but you should get hype. I guarantee it will be very dumb. <laughs> it already is. <laughs> I'm pretty stoked. In the meantime, Jackson, what have you been up to? What can people do to find you? Uh, I am at Twitter at HeadfulsOff. I uh, have another podcast called Trashback Ratio at TrashbackRatio.com. If you want to find anything else I do, it's just at HeadfulsOff.com. I keep a, just a whole collection of all the things I've done. Do you want to plug your recent piece of writing, which was very good? Oh, I wrote about the Morning Mario. I It was the postmortem about... I wrote about Mario in the years of our Lord 2015. Does that mean I'm on the hook for one of those two? I guess uh, I God am. Though. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to do another one, because I barely wrote about Mario. Uh, I really liked that piece, though. I thought it was good. Thank you. Uh, mostly because it proved me out in what I said. <laughs> but you can't write about Mario in 2015. No, that 
that I was right about what Morning Mario would represent to you by the time you were done. No, and I, I knew you were when you said it, because otherwise, like, it was either going to be that or a failure at that, and then I was just going to explode as I played Mario every day and just got angrier and angrier. I mean, luckily, you did also my... do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in a healthier way than... <laughs> it was. I feel better coming out the other side. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Destiny, where can people find you? What have you been up to? Badlandgirls.com and at FridgeBuzz now on Twitter. Alright. Uh, you want to plug the most recent Badland Girls? Yeah! Uh, Jackson mm-hmm. did a uh, co-host uh, stint with me because Rhea was busy last weekend and we talked about television series finales and that episode should be going up. Actually, by the time this comes out, it'll be out. So The fact that you talked about television series finales but have not seen the end of TNG makes me so sad. Oh, yeah. he hints around at it. <laughs> I do. I do. It's I tried my favorite not... thing. Oh, I, go on. I tried not to hit around it that much because it, like, it's, it is the, it's the best television show finale. It is yeah. the number one. But there will never be a better one. Yeah, like can Nash and the Prisoner one. are at number two. They're like tied. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I just I liked how he didn't want to talk about Doctor Who and then started talking about Doctor Who. You just asked, that up there. It was. I feel like I that's know. my current state of being in most things. Is someone will find a way of bringing it up. You do realize I'll... that I just ask that question no matter what podcast you're <laughs> guesting on, right? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. But He's like, what... I'm not going to answer that, and then he he no. he doesn't answer it outright. He just talks about his Doctor Who feelings. No, because I asked, I answered, we're done with this podcast, this podcast is done, I'm now talking off the podcast. No, we're not, I haven't finished <laughs> oh, yet. Okay, finish the plugs. <laughs> so, you can find me at LitRock, L-I-T-R-S-E-K. I'm currently doing a Castlevania every morning called Vania Mania. People seem to enjoy it, I seem hey, to be hey, pretty good hey, at it. Hey, 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 do a Vince McMahon voice. Oh, I, I don't know if I could do a Vince McMahon voice on cue, I'm not good at the Vince McMahon. Nah, it's okay, I'll forgive you. Alright, sorry. Welcome to Venia Mania! Ah, oh, it's what I wanted in my life. There you go. <laughs> um, it's not a very good Vince McMahon. But it'll it should have been longer on the A at the end. They always yeah, but I'm already kind of self-conscious, so that's what you get. <laughs> I felt you get more self-conscious as the words went on. <laughs> <laughs> but people seem to be enjoying that. I'm pretty good at Castlevania. No, I'm not. But I'm doing alright. I'm You're learning. The the best part of that those kind of series is you can feel yourself getting better at a thing because you only do it once a day. I agree. Uh, and uh, you can check us out YouTube. Go to YouTube. Put in abnormal mapping. Rate and review the podcast. Send us questions at podcast at abnormalmapping.com. Is that right? That's the one. Shit, I forgot I did that. We promised Dylan we would answer his question. Shit, we did do that. Holy shit. Here at the 11th hour, we have to do that. <laughs> okay, what was the on. question? I'm I don't know. Up, I don't know what it is. I'm loading up Mozilla Thunderbird. <laughs> uh... This is great. This is even even better that I have to do this because... I, he'll yeah. be so pleased when we remember, though. <laughs> he'll Such think a... the podcast is over, but no, it's not over. We got a question. We got a question. It is titled in the email titled, question. No, that's not the one. I can't find the question. It's because it's... All right. We, who ordered this in the wrong... God damn it. That's for... Just search for his email. It comes from myself. I'm editing oh. this out. Hang on. That's the 
T Dylan. It's Dylan's question. Why am I using Mozilla Thunderbird? It's too confusing. I don't know what Mozilla Thunderbird is. It's the Mozilla email client. Oh, okay. Dylan. Oh my god. It's abnormal mapping. Find my fancy tweets. Uh, that's 2014. Oh, okay, so yeah. this end. Dylan's question. <laughs> hey, you guys can stop right there. Are you ready for the question? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. I'm, ready. I'm as hyped as I could be for a video game question. <laughs> hey, kids. When did you, when and how did you start engaging in criticism? What was it that made you think, oh, hey, I'll write some words about what I think of art? <laughs> Destiny, go first. Uh, I am not a critic. I just like talking about stuff that I care about. I don't believe you one bit. You don't think I'm, you think I'm a critic? I think that you engage in critical thought. Like, you don't formally have a criticism website anymore, but you've, you've engaged in it. When did I ever have a criticism website? You had, like, website? your mad, you had your Mad Men stuff. Weren't you part of that thing that, uh, Andrea did? That web website? Life yeah, journal. but it was journaling and I was just kind of, I mean, I guess it was critical stuff, but it wasn't public and I don't know. I just, I can't. Like, it's automatic for me. I don't know how to, like, engage with stuff. With I mean, I, I know how to engage with things and enjoy it, but, like, for me, part of the enjoyment is also being critical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's and also, it's it really hard not to be when, you know, we live in the society that we do, and then, like, I'm a minority in many senses of the word, and, like, most of the media is not. So you can't help but kind of filter it through that and it just sort of comes out that way. Did I answer the question? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a test. <laughs> it wasn't a test. <laughs> well, like, I don't know, it was just like, you please with me. you are more critical than you think you are. Okay, no, that's fair. I just, I don't consider myself a critic, though. Okay. Jackson, I how think, about you? I think there's a difference between, like, uh, I am a critical person who wants to critically analyze things I do, and I am a capital C critic. That's now. fair. I wouldn't consider myself a critic anymore. Exactly, because you got out of that, and even I, though you do this video game, you stuff, know what? You... Let me go first because my story's stupid. <laughs> In the olden days of 2011, it was more like 2003 when I really In the got olden in... days of 2003, when I really got into <laughs> movies is like a thing to watch and be into because it was about the time I realized that DVDs are cheap and I had some money to spend on them. Uh, I found movie writing websites such as Ain't It Cool News and Chud.com. And I was greatly influenced by film critic Devin Ferrasi, who was a writer for Chud at the time and was their best writer on the site and uh, wrote... Uh, eloquently, if a little snarkily about films, but passionate about obscure stuff and made me think, oh, maybe there's something to this like advocacy part of criticism. I came to criticism as like a way to expose people to cool, obscure things, which I guess is maybe kind of still how I think criticism maybe should go at a lot of times, but it's what we do a lot here, at least. Um, which is funny because Devin Frosty is an awful ass hat in 2015 and nobody likes him, but for young 18-year-old me, he was a revelation. I had never read a movie writer like that. Um, 
And I eventually became a movie critic after I stopped trying to write novels uh, and did that for a couple years. And uh, movie criticism is way better than video game criticism because movies are only two hours long. And nobody cares about the graphics. I mean, I watched Revenge of the Sith the other day. This is not true. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. But the FMV game of Star Wars... (laughs) Graphics might matter. They would get a low rating because they're poor. <laughs> I I only th- think that story's funny because Devin Frosty is someone me and Jackson both dislike. Well, it's the equivalent of how... Oh, I'm trying to think of like a video game equivalent writer, but I feel like that's a lot of people who got into uh, criticism. Bunch of... Like, like if I was like, I started... I started Yahtzee. Like, I was going to say Angry Video Game Nerd, but yeah, basically. Angry Video Game Nerd's... Uh, yeah, Angry Video Game Nerd or Yancey or like, I would actually say like the Charlie Brooker influences and everything just wanted to be this snarky but cool critic guy who made you think. And then like, I feel like any of your early influences in like criticism, you're going to eventually outgrow. It's inevitable. You'd, you'd, you'd hope, I guess. Sure. Because if it's going to reach out to you, it's not going to and you, if it's going to reach out to you and you're going to keep doing it for a while, it's not going to be the thing you still think when you've done it for about two weeks. Like, you grow. And you've got to leave it behind. It's fine. Uh, I, I don't have an answer. I don't know. I, I, to... You are currently writing criticism for two websites, Jackson. I'm unemployed. <laughs> I want to feel like my time on this earth is not wasted. Is almost the entire thing. If I had something to do, if I had like a... If I was like... If someone wanted to pay me to, you know, write books or screenplays, I would do that instead. I just, all I know how to write and well enough, it's a thing to do. I'm not terrible at it. That's, I feel like that's the whole reason. All right. That's, that's about... the whole reason why I do capital C stuff. Why I engage with critical thought at all is just because that's how I think about it and I want to break stuff down. I just think that's valuable. Could you talk about like the whole intimacy in games criticism? Glow? Oh, that's a maybe. I feel like I'm on a minority side because people I see people criticizing that kind of writing a lot. Oh, they're right. There's so there's a lot of um like manipulative personal writing, but I I but why I don't think that's manipulative. No, but uh, I see lots of people criticizing stuff like that, and I want mine to be good. And I don't. I'm. I, I. Something I think about a lot, and I don't know how much I'm gonna air those anxieties. I. I think. Well, it's, no, I, I didn't ask you about your anxieties. Oh, no, I, I asked you about like, like what's the goal? Like, what? The, the goal is to like. I don't think it's a criticism is as valuable. I don't think criticism is as valuable if I don't mention where I'm coming from, and a piece of art is only going to interact with you as a person with experiences. It's not just gonna fall down and exist on its own. Like criticism that removes the person from its, like, um, like from the equation. It, it, I don't think it's actually dishonest, but it's not what I want to do. It, I think I, that, like, if you're coming out of like, uh, like I studied feminist rhetoric, and that's like the whole, uh, manifesto or like the whole 
what's the word I'm looking for? Like, that's what it is. Uh, mm. Putting yourself in this thing that's traditionally supposed to be impersonal. and Yeah, and it's totally mm. response to, like, how much I hate academic writing. And stuff like that. Because I did academic uh, media studies, and I did it, I did, like, English stuff. And I hate how, like, I can't... If a, if a piece of art interaction isn't something that I care deeply about because of who I am, that doesn't count. But if a book says a thing about metaphor, great. Cite that oh. all day. Yeah, you and... would have loved my feminist rhetoric class then. <sighs> I want to take a feminist rhetoric class, please. <laughs> but yeah, I, that's kind of the goal. I don't know. I... I don't know. I just tr- I'm taking it a piece at a time and trying to be write good things. If Matt liked the last one I did, then I'm not doing too badly because that was the most I'm talking about myself thing. You mean your Mario piece? Yeah. All the pieces you write are talking about yourself. Mm-hmm. The Final Fantasy one was less that. Sure. Maybe. I don't see I don't it know. as a problem or a thing to be nervous Ooh. about. I think I it's ask, important. I want to ask Matt because you approach it differently. What do you come? What are you don't do the personal writing. Um, I don't. I don't actually agree with that because I think the act of writing about a thing and what you draw, like this is a big thing in film criticism because films are relatively small, self-contained things. Mm-hmm. The things that you choose to talk about in your narrative of talking about a film is automatically your point of view, and you bring baggage to it, even if you are not explicitly writing about yourself. Like, the Ooh. lens which you use is automatically a personal thing. I, I agree, but I I feel like not mentioning that... I, I want to mention that. I don't want to... I'm at the come point across now where I feel like if people don't understand that my writing is personal, then there's no helping them. That's true. I don't know. You're right. Um, And in general, like, I'm a more private person with, like, the parts of my life that you put into your writing. I don't share that stuff freely with people. That's true. I also, like... F- find some kind of closure or processing in when i share something personal and find meaning through it but generally like sorting through what i how i write about things the the things i seize on are always because they're really important to me and i Mm -hmm. try to write like suss out why and what makes them good and what value we can take from them but in general like in terms of like what we write on the site i think my my writing is generally more focused for an audience than yours what do you mean by that like i want to write something that someone can read and take something from like that's first and foremost otherwise i wouldn't bother writing it because i don't care about writing about video games that much Mm -hmm. uh and maybe like that i'm sure that's a part of what you're why you're no mine's way more just an like yeah more expression of a thing which is why like when games twitter sees a piece and says oh they should be doing this because that happens a lot in my twitter feed and i get anxious because i approach like i see criticism as similar to just doing any piece of writing just i that's an expression i left it out there it's earnest and that's what it is i mean i think all writing is technically that or should be or could be that yeah Uh, the the twitter response to twitter being twitter like i know that's i need to uh, care less about games twitter unfollow people that's what i did (laughs) i I like all the people though but it's just as someone with an anxiety disorder who's putting out this work yep uh because I don't want them to, like, tr- treat me nicer because of who I am. I want to find this way to be earnest and care about myself and believe in what I'm doing, but also allow people to react how they do. I don't know. It's difficult. I don't plan to stick around writing stuff about video games as the only thing I do forever, so... 
No. Why would you? Yeah. There's too much better stuff to do with your time. I'd finish this blooming script that I've been seeing. I need to get that out of my life so I can write literally anything else. We're done. We've been here too long. We answered Dylan's question ad nauseum. I hope you're happy, Dylan. Hope that was worth the wait. We broke Jackson. Uh, Jackson came broken. Oh, (laughs) me too. And uh, we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Uh, Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Hi. Hi.